first of all, I wanted to congratulate and ask you about uh, yesterday's concert. Mm -hmm. What was the experience, also your collaboration with Vengeva? Uh, well, it's an interesting story because yeah. I was invited first uh, first time to play at the Salzburg Festival in 1991, when I was uh, a little girl. <laughs> Yeah. It's very strange, but I made a decision not to go. Due to my some, some personal family reasons, I thought that I shouldn't go because I thought I would meet my father here and I just ran away from home. Okay. So I didn't want to meet him um, in the nearest future. And uh, maybe my life would uh, change dramatically different if I would go. But uh, I've made a lot of decisions in my life that uh, wasn't, so to speak, uh, very loyal to um, a common sense. <laughs> yeah, Actually, this is the first time when I'm playing when I'm, when I got here to play as a guest, and I think this is uh, a very special place. It used to be a very special place, but I don't find it less or more interesting than any big concert venue uh, mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. because I've played in many yeah. but this is uh, quite a, an experience of um, pushing yourself into the situation which you usually judging others and you are now on the position of those who is being judged and this is uh, another step of uh, realizing your self-esteem <laughs> <laughs> Well, what about our cooperation with Vingerov? As you probably know, I'm doing uh, a solo career. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, a chamber musician, yeah, yeah. or uh, but I do uh, enjoy playing chamber music a lot, mm -hmm. especially with the soloist that I find uh, very interesting to me as a musician. Yeah. Because uh, I'm not a person who would be playing with someone just because he's famous. Mm -hmm. In order to play with someone and get it done well, or even more than well, mm -hmm. it shall be a, a combination of a great musicianship and a great passion, a great intellect. And this is what combines in, in Maxim in all ways, mm -hmm. because he's a, a grand violinist, first of all. Yeah. He's a great musician, yeah. and he has a lot of passion. And that's why we, we started to play, we, we've known each other for, for 30 years now, or even more. Okay. Because we've, okay. we've been, um, there was four, uh, so to speak, child prodigies in Russia in mm -hmm. the, in the uh, Soviet Union in uh, pre-Stroika time. So yeah. it was Vengerov, Kisin, uh, Vadim Repin, and me. And I was the only girl. <laughs> And uh, three of them boys left Russia when uh, the perestroika happened. But I, as I already said, making the decisions out of common sense. So I decided I'm not going to go anywhere, but I, I need to stay and learn to study music with a great teacher. And I uh, went to St. Petersburg to the boarding school and um, started being a pupil of the great teacher Marina Wolf. And when then they, when they already have been touring I mean Europe and yeah. United States and uh, Carnegie Hall, I was working really, really hard at school yeah. trying to get what I was missing in my early years. Because uh, 
I don't know if you're familiar with my story a little bit, but um, I was taught by my father during the early childhood, okay. who wasn't a professional musician. Okay. And when the guys would be um, learning with the good teachers from the beginning, like from six, yeah. seven years old, I was taught by an amateur. And when I was 13, I desperately needed to uh, to get the, the luck uh, of school. Yeah, yeah. So I went to St. Petersburg. And then uh, a few years ago, Maxim happened to be in St. Petersburg and he came to my concert, uh, to my recital. Yeah. I was playing Tchaikovsky Seasons or something else. And, uh, and uh, he said, well, well, why shouldn't we play together? Because I find it very interesting. And I said, well, why not? <laughs> And uh, we played our first concert uh, together three years ago, and since that time we've played uh, a lot. Well, we do play together maybe from five to ten, maybe twelve times a year. Okay. And we've toured uh, Italy together twice. We've been uh, played in Barbican. Then we are doing Salzburg Festival, and next season we're doing Carnegie Hall and Music Verein. Okay. together yeah so uh, this is a unique experience to play with Maxim you know why because we actually don't really need to practice or rehearse together we have this uh, extra feeling of each other and uh, um, like for example I'm asked why don't you look at Maxim when you play together I said I don't need to look because I feel everything and the same happens with him, so we, we may, we actually don't do that, but we may uh, meet just before the concert and go on stage without any rehearsal, and it still will be uh, something that you wouldn't find a bad answer. So this is a very uh, rare. What aspects do you discuss with him? So you were rehearsing a little bit together. <laughs> well, we discussed style mostly because, uh, for example, yesterday we played Brahms sonata. Oh, sorry, uh -huh. we played all three Brahms sonatas. Before. We played Mozart's sonata, and in some ways, I feel it uh, a little bit different than Max because he's still uh, more in the big romantic tradition, and I'm so to speak, more reliable to historically informed performance. I'm not a Baroque soloist, of course, but in my own solo things, I do uh, take a lot from the hip. Yeah, but uh, we, we're trying to find the balance in between his uh, earring and mine. I don't know if we succeed good enough, <laughs> but that's basically what we are about to discuss, mm -hmm. about okay. tempo, about style, about some sorts of uh, details, mm -hmm. but uh, we don't talk much. Okay. As I already said, we, yeah. uh, we just start to play and something starts to happen in between. Mm -hmm. We basically discuss to open the piano roof or not because the holes are different, the pianos are different, yeah. the acoustics are different. And one concert we may play with an open roof, and another we play with the closed roof. And the experience in the house for Mozart's song was it anything special? Well, 
I think the acoustics in the house for Mozart is very wet. So it's not dry and it's um, it was uh, difficult to deal with. And probably because it's hot. Yeah. Also. So, you know, the instruments are very delicate. So we tried the rehearsal with yeah. an open room. Okay. And then we closed it because we decided that it's going to be sound better for Maxime mm -hmm. and for ensemble. Yeah. But for piano is probably... Well, the piano also reacts to uh, humidity. Mm -hmm. And I think because it's very uh, uh, high humidity in the hall, uh, the piano doesn't sound dry at all. Okay. And uh, it was tricky to play when the piano is in that state. Especially music like Schubert. Because, you know, Schubert wrote this, uh, and Mozart wrote this, for a different instrument, not the, uh -huh, the instrument yeah, that we're playing now. Yeah. The effects that they were expecting to, you know, to be born are very hard to achieve on the modern piano. Because on Schubert's time, it was a completely different sound and completely different mechanics. Mm -hmm. So the mechanic would allow in those days to make that grand effect of, for example, in the beginning of the Schubert fantasy. And this is very uh, difficult. I, I would say that this is probably one of the most difficult pieces that has been ever written, both for violin and both for piano. Okay. And also Schubert's relations with the flute, the Trockenblumen, Blumen, mm -hmm. also <laughs> so, so difficult. And I happened to play those two pieces in one year. I never knew I played a lot of Schubert uh, sonatas uh -huh. and promptos and Lament uh, Musica. I played most of Schubert's music for solo piano, but I never find anything as close, yeah. as difficult as this Schubert fantasy and uh, this Trockenblum operations. So for me, uh, it was the most difficult in, in yesterday's program. Uh, not because it's difficult to play, but because it's difficult to play well, you know, to achieve a, a, a real effect of this slight waves of air. Okay. Because it shouldn't be sound like you really do something. It yeah, shall yeah. sound like a thunderstorm or, you know, uh, a raindrops or something like yeah, this. Yeah. And this is the most difficult uh, part. But that's why we spend uh, thousands of hours at the instrument, usually. <laughs> How do you choose your repertoire? For, I've heard that you also really like performing contemporary music and your programs are quite not traditional. Um, I find it very boring to play another Moonlight Sonata. I think that we uh, in general, the classical musicians are born not only to uh, please the audience, but also to teach the audience mm -hmm. and uh, to make the audience more sophisticated and uh, 
knowing more music that she has known before. Okay. And um, of course, um, I think we have to play a lot of modern music. But I do choose that type of music that I like myself. And in that case, uh, public, the audience, if I love what I'm doing, they would love it too. Yeah. That's why I'm not playing, uh, I'm, I'm getting, well, not thousands, but a dozens of letters from composers like every month. I have a, a stock of modern <laughs> uh, uh, pages sent to me by the composers that would like me to play their music. And some of that music is very nice, but uh, in order to make a choice of that uh, uh, music, I need to have another like year of life so that I would go somewhere to an island where there is no internet or, you know, and I would listen to all of that and I would play all of that and now then I'll make my choice. So uh, I'm taking what's nearby among my friends composers, but like for example, I play all almost everything what Leonid Disyapikov wrote for piano, one of the my favorite composers ever, a great Russian composer who is writing music for many famous musicians and for many countries and many theaters like Vascala and Bolshoi and, uh, you know. Uh, and uh, I like minimalism, uh, especially minimalism that has something more in it than, than, than just minimalism. Like, for example, I don't, I don't play glass itself, but uh, I do play Pavel Karmanov, who is having his music not only minimalism but some some you know some sorts of allusions to Handel or to okay. Baroque or you know I have it, it's quite boring when it's just one style I like the combination okay. I like the mixture what Dysiatnikov does for example uh, uh, geniusly like it's a genre of uh, comment of any kind of music like for example he has a wonderful pieces written for violin and piano this is about a Schubert piece uh, uh, and this is the comment to Schubert's music but uh, a comment of the person who lives in 21st century okay. and I'm um, um, I'm telling Maxim we have to play we have to play that piece um, so maybe sooner or later he'll <laughs> he'll listen to me. <laughs> well, yes, it, it has to be something more than just one style in that. And uh, I do confess I like uh, harmony. I like uh, uh, I like also tragic and conflict in music yeah. and uh, everything, but. I cannot be in a constant uh, uh, house in music mm -hmm. to beauty and harmony mm -hmm. or hope for, for, you know, for it. When you are listening to music uh, of other performer, whether it's at a recording or a live performance, what do you resonate? Well, I don't find, uh, I don't listen actually to the music which doesn't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. I do listen to a lot of symphonic operas, uh, not only piano. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, 
within the age it's more and more difficult to go to listen to somebody else's concerts mm -hmm. when you're young and you don't have much experience uh, you have to get this kind of listening experience that gives you uh, depth and uh, knowing of different styles and so on and so on. But then within the next year, you find that, that uh, you like uh, something less and less. Okay. <laughs> and then you have to choose. You either go and find yourself like a little bit disappointed all mm -hmm. the time, or you get a serious like shock uh -huh. in a good sense yeah and uh, I prefer to go less but I prefer to go to a more or less expected this high high level of sh musical shock this is what I get from uh, Grigory Sokolov concerts that's why I'm staying here in Salzburg oh, okay. for another two days because I'm uh, going to his concert uh, that's why I like uh, most of the performances of Theodor Kurenzis, a friend of mine, and my, uh, we've played together, mm -hmm. and we've known each other for many years. We've known him uh, when he was, you know, young and uh, just uh, uh, a small first steps conductor. Uh, but even though, even when, we would feel that it will be something very, very different from, from the others. And, um, well, I don't know. A lot of friends of mine are doing a great music. <laughs> that's why I go to their concerts a lot. You come from this Russian school of piano playing, and I want to ask what kind of values do you think it's brings into your performance? It's always this questions about the Russian school is always make me like stubborn because I don't I don't know what to answer. Well on my opinion uh, what I would describe as the Russian school is uh, not only technique but also uh, intellectual approach to the music. You have to think of what you're playing and uh, combine that knowing in, in the sounds. And, uh, but in a technical sense, I think that Chinese school will go uh, much further than the Russian school does because uh, they start early and they can play uh, whatever, I mean, in technical reasons. Uh, and of course there is a lot of pianists who are born to play uh, fast and loud. Mm -hmm. I don't find it particularly very interesting because there is thousands of pianists like that. And you cannot choose one. I mean, they all play. And uh, to me, the pianists are not so important as musicians itself. Because a genuine musician is a very rare quality, mm -hmm. unlike many great pianists, if you know, if you can feel the difference. Okay. There is a lot of great pianists, I mean, who can play piano in every way, but there is not so much of real, genuine uh, musicianship of great intellectual minds. For me, the second is... Uh, more important and uh, I hope that so-called Russian school gave that type of um, musicians to the world mm -hmm. 
like for example uh, Richter or Gillis or nowadays Grigori Sokolov or Mikhail Kudinov. They are first of all not just a pianist but uh, the great minds and uh, the great spirit. And also uh, in yesterday's concert half of the audience was from Far East and I want to ask do you notice maybe that the classical music is more um, interested in the Far East audience than in Western. The Far East is uh, more interested in many ways. Uh, they're interested in art, mm -hmm. they're interested in figure skating, <laughs> uh, they're interested in, in music, and they probably have the possibilities to be interested. Mm. Uh, not much of the Europeans has uh, that chance though, you know, just to travel the world and see if the, the Far Eastern people having that opportunity, that's just great. I've heard that you also play uh, harpsichords or hammer clavier and other instruments and wanted to ask uh, how different is the, your style maybe? Well, it's different, much, much different yeah. uh, from the piano because it's a different approach especially the harpsichord because if you for example you start to play you uh, trying to play piano then it's just not not any sound yeah. because the the depth of the key is not made for being touched as <laughs> general as Just gentle it, as yeah. we do on the piano yeah. so you have to um, adjust your uh, abilities to each concrete instrument but i do love playing the harpsichord especially in the repertoire that is written for the harpsichord mm -hmm. and uh, my last experience was the old violin box sonatas uh, for violin and harpsichord which i found uh, a great music mm -hmm. And I played it with the violinist, um, a, a Russian violinist, who is a, a, a big expert in hit performance. So that's why we played it on harpsichord and uh, with all possible trying, uh, tries to, you know, to achieve the best of, um, of style in our playing. Um, I, do, I don't do it quite often because I'm very busy with piano most of the time. <laughs> But when I have a chance, yeah, I'm taking it, as well as the organ. There is this concept of Wunderkind, mm -hmm. and you've been called all of these uh, big words, and I want to ask, how do you imagine this concept and what it is from your perspective? I don't find it very um, natural, mm -hmm. you know. I think this um, kind of, um, like, you see a woman with the bird, and... Uh, 200 years ago, this woman would be shown in a circus. I find that the Wunderkind story, or hysterical about being hysterical about any kind of Wunderkind, yeah. is something, has to do something with uh, a bad sides of our minds, you know, like in that circus, when you're looking at something that you don't find quite appropriate. <laughs> But he still continued to look. So I never positioned myself as a wonderkin myself. I, I was, I was. It's not nice. Yeah, 
And uh, the most sad thing about the wunderkinds is that when the wunderkinds is grown up, everybody uh, says, well, so what? He's just now a normal, yeah. normal guy, normal person, I don't know, you know, normal musician, like there, there's thousands of them. And it's always very painful to the person who has been called a wunderkind because then he has uh, the most difficult part, you know, to become a real musician instead of, instead of being just a, a toy for a lot of grown-up adults who is looking at him as he would be in the circus. And how was this transition for you? Well, it was a very painful and long story for me okay. because I went to a school and I spent a lot of very hard uh, working years with, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 hours of work every day in order to become not a traditional grown-up adult out of the Wunderkind, but uh, becoming uh, that type of musician that I would love and uh, respect myself. And uh, this is, uh, to me, much more... Uh, important and difficult achievement than being called a wunderkind. So, but the world likes that story mm -hmm. about uh, a little girl in pink dress, you know, who is playing like Mozart <laughs> or like God or like, you know, someone else like that. And yeah. uh, we still have a lot of them, especially the parents and the teachers are doing a lot, keeping rolling and rolling that type of business. Okay. Because this is also a business and that has a lot of money in it. So. Mm -hmm. What were your most strongly felt experiences while performing? Well, I like, uh, to me, the most uh, difficult is to achieve an absolute freedom, which um, is a freedom of yourself. When you're free of your own thoughts, yeah. uh, fears, and perceptions, and uh, whatever that keeps you on the ground. So when you become real free, then you experience and allow other to experience a real beauty and uh, probably some some state of flowing in the air and that's what we are actually born for i mean the musicians <laughs> to make people uh, feel that they're not on the ground but somewhere in heaven <laughs> so i just want to ask how do you imagine the future of piano playing i don't know it's an interesting question there is 20 millions probably of pianists nowadays yeah. in the world. We all see that it's business nowadays and okay. it wasn't like this until maybe 60s or 70s and then it became a big business when we see new names after competitions, uh, after some debuts or after some important mentors who decided you know, to give this person an opportunity. Yeah for any reasons but then we see that it changes like every three four years public needs to have new heroes and there is new competitions there is always a bunch of fresh flesh <laughs> okay <laughs> that is uh, for the next cycle is ready because what the business does to uh, young musicians these days is I wouldn't uh, live a year like that because they play around 300 concerts a year 
250, which is also an incredible amount for a good musicians to, to you know, because when we go on stage, we have to give a lot of energy. When it's a good concert, you give a lot of energy of yourself, but then you have to collect it again in order for next concert to be as good as you played this one. It still requires three, four, five days a week. You have to think, you have to work, you have to be in silence, you know. But uh, what business does, today you play here, tomorrow there, and day after that. So it's like you're playing 25 concerts a month, and you have no actually time for, you know, to think, to stop and think and collect this. And this is very exhausting. And um, sometimes I'm listening to the concerts of the people who works like that. And I don't find anything in it because there is no sense, no music, no soul, nothing. They're just empty. So we don't know what's, what it's going to be like in, in 20 years. Maybe everybody will listen to a, a robots who will be playing piano in any style. Maybe there will be invented, um, you know, a computer uh, that would play any repertoire and would play... Um, like, for example, your favorite pianist from okay. the old days. So maybe it will be, you say to the machine, play me uh, Chopin Mazurka like, like Richter, or play me Chopin Mazurka like Horowitz, or play me Scrabbing like Sofranitsky, and it will be done, we don't know. Maybe the intellect will do this for us. Do you have any daily rituals for your technique? Uh, no. My only daily rituals is to have an opportunity to practice at least a couple of hours. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, for now, I have about four, no, about six different programs in a row because I need to. I'm working on a new project. I'm doing the next solo program and uh, some orchestra uh, stuff, some chamber music. So. Well, to me, it's the only daily ritual is to have like six, eight hours every day just for myself. But it, it never, I'm never succeeded. <laughs> what do you feel is your, the main maybe features of your playing style? I am trying to look at music itself, not at the virtuosity or you know, difficulty or I try to see the music, the soul, of, the soul of music what's inside and uh, probably my audience is getting it from me. What are the main things that you learned from your main teachers like Marina Wolf and uh, Well, uh, Marina taught me a lot of listening the structure of music. So she would always tell me, we have to hear everything. Mm -hmm. We have to hear your left hand, your right hand, and we have to hear, you know, all the different classes of music, like levels. Mm -hmm. It all can, shall be heard at once, at once. So, uh, the structure I found really very... When everything sounds, and everything sounds good, and we have a clean pedal, and we... Uh, know how to to move the, the, the musical 
thought just combining the structure with the thought that what gives you a real sound of the instrument and the sound of course the sometimes the sound is the only thing by which we can tell one pianist from the other mm -hmm. so we know that this pianist would play like this and this that type of sound can be just like two pianists and we'll have that sound so this is the sound is the main quality and uh, of the piano player, I would say. Mm -hmm. I think I ran out of questions. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. Yeah.